What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Insiders Podcast. This is your boy, Stully, and we got Micah back in the booth today. What's going on, Micah? What's going on, bro? I've been I've been asking for a couple of days, guys. I've been dealing with a bunch of personal stuff, but uh, I'm ready to just talk baseball again. Talk about some sleepers, some guys we want to fade as well. So, yeah, get into it, bro. Yeah, the, one of the best ways to escape reality is through fantasy sports, I find. 100%. 100%. So let's let's escape some reality together. Um, I'm glad you're back, bro. Happy to hear your voice, man. Missed you up in here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, you're one of the most genuine, smartest guys in the industry, and it's a pleasure to record with you, bro. Happy to have you. Appreciate that, man. That means a lot. Thank you. Yeah, no worries, bro. Um, so I'm curious if I could pick your brain on some of your strategies. What do you think? Yeah, so for like for evaluating prospects in Dynasty or in uh, just the MLB in general, I, in short, I, I'd say I just look for a player in regards to a batter. I look for a player that has good plate discipline and good contact skills early on. That's that's honestly just you know one of those one of those core things you look for in a batter just because that thing can stick for an entire career and then you can work on the other things as you go the power the you know launch angle all that stuff mm-hmm. and for pitcher it's kind of the same thing the fundamentals you know having good control and then you know having good command of each one of your pitches so that you know you can control the strike zone put the ball where you want the ball to go and yeah those basic you know fundamental things that's what I, that's what I look for you know. For in most guys, you know, I, then I, you know, of course, I dig deep and stuff. But those are like the first things I see, you know, when I look at like a player stat page. Definitely, I'm I'm a guy that hates strikeouts, so that's one of the first things I look at. So <laughs> when you're looking at the the K to walk ratios, it jumps off the page if it's like a, a thirty to five, say say thirty strikeout percentage and and five walk percentage. That means his OBP is gonna suck, his average is gonna suck. He's probably an all for nothing type of guy. Um, and it's very hard to bounce back from that at a young age. So if you're looking for guys that already have that kind of back control, the rest is teachable. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like that strategy a lot. I, I, I use the same sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like if, if say you have a batter that is, you know, has, has like a, a 30% strikeout rate, like, like you said, like a, I don't know, 2 or 3% walk rate, and they're hitting like, I don't know, 240, 230. This is a guy that's not, I mean, he, and he's in like you know, say high A or something, some one of the low leagues. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not that's not you know, that's not really doesn't instill a ton of confidence that when you face better pitching, even in Double A AA or Triple A, that you'll be able to you know hit for average. And who knows what happened in the MLB? You know, so this could be a guy that just never makes it to the MLB. So honestly, having that you know that ability to draw walks early on and to make consistent contact early on, especially in the early like the the low leagues. That tells you, okay, this player, you know, there's something here with this player. That adding that that this player has, you know, above average speed. You're like, okay, now this is a, you know, one of those good. Then you say, okay, this player has power. Then you know, that's when you have those, you know, super, you know, those super prospects. But mm-hmm. for the most part, just those fundamental things, you know, in a batter, and then of course in a pitcher, just you know, it's kind of the same thing, having the ability to, you know, have a high strikeout rate, you know, and low uh, walk rate. 
Yeah, and that control too. That's a major thing for me when when evaluating a a pitching prospect. If he has no control, I don't care how fast he can throw it, because he's gonna walk a ton of guys. You've seen it time and time again. These guys, uh, the fireballer pitchers, they throw a hundred, but they have no clue where they're throwing it. I don't yeah. want to bank on that. I'd rather have a guy who has a, a nice pitch mix, maybe four of them. Uh, maybe he throws ninety five. That's okay. I, I can work with that. Um, because if you have a feel for your pitches, you, you got to be able to attack the batter mentally, not just with your, not just with your fastball. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to have control to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and when you get that, you know, that deeper type of arsenal, so you have like a four or five pitch arsenal, if you can't command, you know, say you're, if you can, you know, can't command your, your, I don't know, your changeup or your slider or your fastball, you can't, you know, work in the other pitches and your whole, you know, your whole arsenal will not work together. So, if you're going to have a deep arsenal, you have to have command of each pitch. And that's when we see, you know, eliteness, you know, guys like Shane Bieber, um, Mm -hmm. those type of guys, they have, you know, command their entire arsenal, starting with their fastball because the fastball sets up everything else. So having that, you know, just that control command of, you know, everything you're doing on the mound, you know, mentally, you know, you know, what sequence you want to attack certain batters researching, you know, all that, all that stuff, you know, it, it plays into each game. So, you know, when you have that, that type of guy that, even early on, it shows that they want to study the game. They want to, you know, make sure every start is as good as it can be. That's the guy that's going to have a good career, you know. So that those are the type of guys you want to really target. Oh, 100%. And if they're already, like you said, if they're already struggling in single A to hit 250, you don't, like, just, just move on, man. There's so many prospects. Don't even worry about it. Um, mm-hmm. You also have to think, like you said, once they get to double A, the pitchers are... 10 times better than single A. Then once they mm-hmm. get to triple A, it's another boost. And then MLB is 100 times better. So the the range of outcomes for them to be successful is a lot less if they can't figure out single A. Um, and organizations aren't going to wait around forever. They'll probably be exposed to the Rule 5. Who knows where they end up, man? They, they may turn back into a pitcher. Like, <laughs> there's so many outcomes with these prospects if they mm-hmm. struggle at the lower levels that you just don't even want to go down that avenue. So right. why why even bother? Mm-hmm. Um, do do you evaluate prospects any differently that are about to enter redraft as opposed to dynasty leagues? Nah, I, mean, I feel I feel like you should always just take the same uh, approach to every player because that means it's, it's it does matter that they could be in the in the MLB sooner than another prospect, but. So like you know that could make you want to target them earlier in the draft or something. But in regards to just you know pure evaluation, I there's still there's still you know just another another prospect. So I just want to make sure you know they're somebody that I want at a certain ADP or I don't want at a certain ADP. Yeah, man, hundred percent. I agree with that. Like I I think of last year all the prospects that came up like uh, Ian Anderson, um, Sixto Sanchez, Dylan Carlson. Uh, the list goes on, man. Even Bo Bichette, to a certain degree, that was his first full year. Um, I, I don't know, man. All these prospects that have been coming out recently, they're ready from day one. Mm-hmm. And there's so much resources out there for everyone to look at. Like, I, I'm on fan graphs pretty much every single day of the week. <laughs> like they, yeah, they... Right. yeah, I'm sorry. I got to say, fan graphs is, is like my... It's like, it's like, bro, I mean, when I first started doing, you know, research and just trying to figure out what a player was like, Fangrass was my go-to, and it still is my go-to. So, like, shout, shout out to Fangrass, everybody that, you know, does work for Fangrass, because it's, it's, it's been terrific, honestly. 
Oh, 100%. I, I don't know where I would be without them. I love I love how they grade the prospects. It's so uh, user-friendly. You can It's right in your face. Um, and if you want to go a little bit deeper, I, I use StatCast. Um, StatCast is a great tool because it literally breaks down every single um, thing that's happened in a game, not just... Um, like uh, a, an out or a hit, they, they're looking at every pitch that the batter has seen. So you can break down if he's doing good against a fastball, if he's doing good against the curveball, off-speed, whatever, man. You can literally break down every single pitch that the dude has seen. And these are sort of things that we didn't used to have back in the day. And now that we do have them, you have to use them to your advantage because a lot of old-school fantasy players still don't want to make that leap. You know what I mean, Micah? Like, they don't want to make the sabermetrics leap because then they're admitting that it's cool. <laughs> because, I don't know. There's such an old stigma in baseball that people just don't want to evolve. I don't know. I kind of hate that yeah. about baseball. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like you have a binocular and you're not making the picture as clear as you can. You're not turning the things as clear as you can, you know. Just always a way to go deeper in something and look deeper in something and understand something at a deeper level. And that's what's happening with baseball now. We're just looking at stuff at a deeper level. And you see every day on, on uh, Twitter, on um, anywhere, Reddit, anywhere, people are, doing yeah. base, people are doing baseball research, baseball stuff, you know, independently or for a website. You have these, you know, people making new metrics, uh, making new ways of seeing things, you know, uh, stuff, like, stuff like dynamic hard hit rate. All that stuff is just going, you know, making it, the picture clearer, going deeper and deeper into the game. And that's, and it's, that's not stopping anytime soon, especially with the way, you know, we see it every day on Twitter, how so, so many people are into this type of stuff. So it's not mm-hmm. going away anytime soon. We'll just, it's going to keep advancing, you know? Yeah, I think of Alex Fast creating uh, CSW mm-hmm. um, when you mentioned people who are creating metrics. So mm-hmm. you can yep. literally, and there's tools out there that you could create your own. It's uh, even my head was starting to spin, and I'm thinking like, how can I come up with like a Stully metric? <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but that's that's the sort of thing you can do with these saber metrics. I love it, uh, and the more that I uncover about a player, I feel like I can really understand if I want to attack them or if I want to fade them, and that's kind of what this episode is about: is about sleepers and fades. Because we've done multiple drafts, each of us, and honestly, the ADPs are insane. And these are just some things that we've noticed throughout, um, I don't even want to call it draft season, but through mock draft season, let's say. Even though I am in a 30-teamer in a right now that is a money league, so these rosters do count. But I'm not even calling it draft season, because when does baseball start? March? Yeah, uh, probably like March 28th, 27th, something like that. Yeah, so these ADPs are going to change a ton. So maybe these are just early things to look for. How about we say that? Mm-hmm. And honestly, from now to that time, a bunch of stuff is going to change. You know, guys get signed, guys get cut, maybe released, whatever. It's going to be a lot of a lot of action going on. So yeah, you know, James, James McCann signed today with the Mets. Yeah, I mean that's if you want, you know, some type of late round catcher on target McCann, see what happens. I love McCann. That's a great fit. Mm-hmm. And Wilson Ramos isn't bad either. Like I like the Mets a lot. Mm-hmm. Is Ramos still on the Mets? I believe he, I believe he's um, on like a one year deal, like the final year of his deal. Okay, but he's, he he won't be starting. There's no way he's starting. I wish. I mean, I wish McCann was like the guy, you know. But I guess it's fine. They gave him like forty million. 
Yeah, and it was like, what was it, four years? Yeah, like four, four years, 40 mil. They do have uh, Alvarez coming up, so... True. Yep. McCann might just be the bridge to him. Yeah. But anyways, let's jump into the, the meat of the episode here, and let's start with our fades. So, Michael, when you were thinking about your fades, did you have anything you were looking for in particular, or, or how did you come up with them? Yeah, so my first fade is... You uh, Darvish, and I don't approach fading the player with just like okay, they had a uh, they had an anomaly season, uh, statistic, you know, statistic, statistic wise. Gosh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 I hate that word, bro. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, they like they did they you know they had a great season and they're likely to decline next season or regress next season. It's not just that, you know. I look at how a player their injury history, you know, that's that I feel like that's like almost half of the equation. So with Darvish, this what's it? Uh it's around 17 ADP right now on NFBC and um 17th overall and that's ex- I mean, that's you're as you're saying he's a starting pitcher one by taking him. risk and I don't know if it's worth it, you know. He's a talented player. He's pitched a lot of innings in a row, but I just don't know if at that price, which is probably, I think it is the highest ADP of his career. I don't know if it's worth it at this point in his career. Maybe back when he was, you know, actually, you know, had some promise of, you know, some consistent health. But at this point, you know, you're betting on a full season of you, Darvish. And and you can't even, you know, forget that he did have some command and control issues in early 2019. So if those pop up back too, you know, then you have – health worries and you know just general production worries in the first place and there's there are you know safer options at the adp lucas giolito you know luis castillo so Mm -hmm. don't i'm not gonna you know blame anybody for taking them in you know the mid to late second round or whatever but for me it's just not a guy that i want yeah i agree with you bro um for me i he's 34 years old let's be real here uh, with an injury history and a lot of mileage on his arm. The one thing maybe that will help him uh, this upcoming season potentially is that 2020 was so, such a short season that it could have saved his arm. But at the same time, he's still already 34, so it's not like he's getting any younger. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I, I don't really like the Cubs as much as I used to. Uh, they're not as dominating as I think people still see them. So I don't know if the wins will still be there for him. Um, and in this group of guys where you're taking him ahead of at his ADP, uh, like you said, Micah, I'd rather wait even around and try for a Giolito or a, or a Castillo or even, um, I don't know. Those two guys are good. <laughs> uh, but the main, uh, the main thing I'm getting at with you, Darvish, is I just in the first two rounds, I really like safety with my picks because everybody else is getting superstars. And if I'm drafting a guy that's potentially getting hurt, there's no backup this early. Like, he is the guy that you're supposed to be leaning on. And if you can't lean on him when he's hurt, then you've kind of messed up your draft and mm-hmm. just started at the point you're taking it. So I don't like having that risk at the beginning of a draft. Mind you, when I did draft him already this season, it wasn't until the third round. And I feel like you have a little more safety for him to hit his third round value than second or first round value. And that's why I agree with this fade 100%. I just feel like it's going to be hard for him to reach his ADP. 
Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah. So in short, guys, this is basically just a, it's a, it's an ADP fade. It's not, you know, just talent, talent wise. I think if you Darvish pitches a full season, he'll have a chance of winning the NL Cy Young. Hundred percent. There's no yeah. denying his talent. Yeah. So I mean, no, no nine is not the talent. This is purely. I just don't think the ADP fit, you know, has any health any any health issues baked into it at all. Is they're saying, okay, this guy's gonna be healthy for a full season, and I'm just like, I I don't buy that, you know. Yeah, me either. It's you can't. I don't know what what would you bet if someone asked you to make that bet? Would would you bet anything? If somebody bet me made a bet that tried to make a bet with me, saying that you Darish would pitch a full season, you know, and I was opposing that. I wouldn't. I, yeah, I wouldn't even. I mean, I'd. I'd probably. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even be in that bet. Cause I mean, I yeah. Cause I mean, he really could pitch a full season, but I don't want to. I don't want to deal with that. Just leave me. Leave me out of you, Darvish, in twenty twenty for the most part. Twenty twenty one for the most part. Yeah, I've seen him go ahead of Aaron Nola. I don't like that. I hate that. I would take yeah. Nola all day, every day, over you, Darvish. Yeah. So this. This is kind of where we're at. His his ADP is almost getting to a point where it's like he's on the avoid list, just because you're I don't know you're you're passing up some really good players to take him. Not that like we said, not that he isn't amazing because he is. Uh, we just can't guarantee he's going to pitch the whole season. And in the first two rounds, there's no way I can afford that. And I think the worst part is this ADP is you no know, largely based on the fact that he pitched like a. Cy Young caliber guy in a 50, 60 any pitch sample size, which is just, you know, not something you should bank on. So if you're banking on, okay, he pitched like this in 2020, this is why I'm taking him in the first round. No, you got it. I mean, he did have a nice stretch run coming into 2020, so you can take that into account. But I mean, then you put in the health concerns and you're back at, you know, questioning yourself again. So just, you know, just, there's just, you know, a couple too many question marks that I want to deal with. At such a rich ADP, where you should be getting these guys that you know should be cornerstone players for your roster for the entire season, especially in best ball leagues. Yeah, well, think about it this way, bro. If if you're taking this injury risk early in the draft, what's to say later in the draft you don't take another one and then another one, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden you got three potential starting players on your team on the IR if mm-hmm. you even have that many IR spots, which most leagues don't. So it's uh, I just don't like getting a guy that it has this potential of injury um this early that, that's literally all it is 100 percent. and, and uh, great pick. yep thanks bro and my and my my next guy um is moose uh, mike moustakis mm-hmm. um it this is i really don't understand what the appeal of moose is these days i mean he doesn't steal he's not going to hit 270, 280, and he might hit 30 home runs. He doesn't get a bunch of RBIs. He doesn't get a bunch of runs. I mean, yeah, so I'm just, you know, I'm tr- at his ADP. I think it's in the one between 120 and 130, something like that, right now on NF- NFBC. I just don't see the the value in his upside. You can get somebody that hits 30 home runs, you know, for a lowly average, probably a hundred plus picks later, you know. And at that ADP, there's a bunch of upside guys, you know, that haven't really hit their ceiling yet or haven't touched, touched your ceiling yet and they mm-hmm. could this season and they're probably better you know you're you're better off taking those guys instead of mike moustakis at the adp yeah last season uh eight home runs 27 rbi and he hit 230 
over 139 at bats, which is obviously a small sample. But that average, man, that average is killer. Yeah, I mean, it's every year. I, I think since what I don't know what year it was, but he just doesn't hit you know for high high average. He's done it like twice, maybe 270, a couple 270 seasons. But you're not. There's no real you know. There's a there's one category upside with him and. Yeah. I, I don't see I don't see why you would pay for that in the middle rounds. Yeah, 2019 he hit 254. So yeah, man, I I agree, I agree with you 100. I'd rather take the risk on a younger guy than him that has the same sort of power potential but with a higher average. Like, I, give me Cabrian Hayes on Pittsburgh all day mm-hmm. over over Mike Mustakis, man. 100. I mean, this is a, that's a fresh bat. Coming yeah. off a you know nice little sample size, and he could keep it going. You know, it, it, he's got that speed upside. Like this is that's what I'm looking for with all my players, man. I want someone that can do it all. And Mustakis does one thing. Um, yeah, he's got good power. So what? There's a lot of good power. Mm-hmm. Power is not hard to find. Power is probably the easiest thing to find. Um, but good average, good speed, and good power. Now that's hard to find. And if there's someone around that range that may be a bit deeper, maybe even Byron Buxton. Like mm-hmm. give me give me Buxton over Mustakas too, just for that upside. And I will I will give Moose a little a tiny slither of more credit in a OBP league. For sure. Um, but that's about it, you know. For sure, man. And second base is weak. So mm-hmm. there's that, but don't reach for him just because he plays second base. Because mm-hmm. like Micah, Micah said, all he does is a one-category guy. And there are guys later that can, are second base guys that probably can, you know, get you some of production later on in the draft. Yeah, maybe Garrett Hampson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick, I, I even like Nick Madrigal. There we go. But, so these guys are speed guys. Speed's a lot harder to find. I'd rather save my second base for, for speed. Mm-hmm. To get to get some speed in my lineup, and then go draft Christian Walker later to get your power. You know, save savers base. There you go. I love so, Christian Walker. Yep, it's all about playing chess, guys. You just gotta know when, no, 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 when to grab and no when, no when, no who to grab, no when to grab, yeah. no who to grab. You know, if you if you want another cheap power bat that you can get really late, Bobby Dahlbeck on the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Kid is kid is all power, and he'll probably hit. What, what did I see Mustakis hit last year? 235? Yeah, I, I bet you Dahlbeck hits around 235. It's likely, yeah. So, whatever, man. I mean, Mustakis is who he is. Don't reach for him just because he plays second. It, it's His ADP is probably going to go even higher once people realize how bad second is. Mm-hmm. But um, who, who you got next, bro? Who's your next fade? Yeah, my, la- and my last fade is Mr. Max Fry. I mean, we all love him. We all love the curveball. Um, nice, nice, you know, middling 92, 95 mile per hour fastball. But when you look at his overall skill set, he's not, you know, a strike artist. He has control of his, of you know, of his arsenal, but he's not a strikeout artist. And well, I'd say he has good control of most of his, most of his arsenal. We'll get to that in a second, but he, he's just no, nothing spectacular. You know, he's, his ERA in the temps in the 2020 sample size 225. I think his Sierra was almost two runs higher. So he didn't, you know, get um he didn't really earn that ERA. You know, he should have probably allowed more runs. And I just feel like at a, I think it's a 50 45 ADP right now in NFBC. That's extremely rich. That's your starting pitcher two or starting pitcher three. You know, with for a guy that you can probably you know get 
you know, for with with a guy with skill set that you can probably get later, you know, later in the draft. You know, grab um, go grab Pablo Lopez, <laughs> same type of player. You know, mm-hmm. who'll get ground balls, who'll get you know a solid strike guard rate, good control. You know, stuff like that. And the thing with Fried, the main thing with Fried is that he still you know has tr- trouble commanding that fastball. And until he consistently commands the fastball, he's going to have, you know, as I said earlier in the in the pod, if you can't command your fastball, you know, consistently, you'll have trouble sequencing the rest of your pitches. So that would be something we have to deal with, you know? Yeah, and the, yeah, Atlanta's a great team, sure. Uh, he is in a good situation that's obvious. People are going to reach for him, and that is exactly why you fade him. <laughs> when people start reaching to outrageous heights... Do not just follow them along. Look for the guys that are reaching over, and that's how you win drafts. Uh, free is—I I don't want to call him an unknown commodity because in the fantasy circles, he's a really hot commodity. People love him, and I feel like because of that, his ADP has gone up. Um, but let's be real, man. His last full season, his ERA was four. Uh, yeah, that's fine, but it's not where his ADP is. If if his ERA was four last year, his ADP would not be this high. Um, but his ERA was two twenty five, even though his sabermetrics say it should have been up to four. So that's red flags to me, hundred percent, because I don't want to see what the floor is, um, because that Sierra scares me, man. Um, but oh, I, and we kind of saw it, you know, towards end towards the end of the. T- 2020 sample size. Um, he, did, I think his last couple starts, he had you know not a lot of strikeouts, a low walk rate. He had uh, one game with four strikeouts, three walks, three strikeouts, two walks. That's 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 probably what his floor looks like when he's just not on, when his fastball command is not on. So that's kind of the fried that you're playing, you know, playing with fire with. And I just don't think, I don't think it's worth it. You know. Yeah, it's tough, man. People are gonna people are gonna reach, and I don't like reaching. I like players that fall into my lap, and I don't think this guy's ever gonna fall into anyone's lap. You're gonna have to reach, and mm-hmm. that's never never a good thing to do, man. And that's like that's a perfect line to jump into my first fade. <laughs> you know what I mean, Trevor Bauer? People are jumping, they're jumping the gun on him as soon as they can. As soon as they get that first pick, it seems they're going after Bauer because of what he did last year. Um, but I mean, when you look under the hood, his hard hit was in the 46 percentile, which is not good. That means every other hit is crushed. Uh, the exit velocity 47% percentile is not good as well. Fastball 23 percentile. Ew. Uh, that's not good, man. When people can tee up your fastball that much. His 2020 schedule was unbelievable. He got to face Detroit twice, Kansas City once, Milwaukee three times, um, which he gave up runs to all three times. Uh, He faced Pittsburgh twice, faced the White Sox once, faced the Cubs twice, which he gave up three runs to. Um, I don't know. In conclusion, Bowers going way higher than his ADP, even at 17. I've seen him go way higher than that twice now. Uh, he had a dream schedule, and he had a chip on his shoulder. He knew he had to pitch less games last year. There were so many factors that led to him having such an amazing season. Um, he's never had an expected FIP below four. Uh, basically, we're just talking about Max Fried as a guy whose ERA should be around four. Well, that's that's Trevor Bauer, man. That's his expected FIP. 
which means that when he's on his own on the mound with nothing behind him, fielding independent pitching, he's given up four runs every start, no matter what. That's not good. I don't like that, Micah, because when he plays better teams, if he moves to the AL East, he's rumored to the Jays, he's rumored to the Red Sox. He's rumored everywhere, man. Uh, a lot of these places, I don't want him because he does give up fly balls. If he's at Yankee Stadium, can you imagine the fly balls he'd give up? They're going out of the park. Um, at 17th overall, just like you, Darvish, this is way too much of a gamble for me. I don't feel comfortable with it. You're passing up elite bats to grab these arms. It's just... Oh, I don't know, man. He was a steal last year, but he's not a steal this year. Um, a steal for you would be to avoid him. How about that? What do you think? <laughs> I like, I like that. I mean, he he's he, he has he's a talented pitcher. We saw him have a, a fine season, you know, the other year. So we, we know he he can get it done, but we just have to see if he can do it without, you know, I guess without the stuff on his fingers. If that was a, I don't know if that was a factor or not. It's not proven, but if it was. You know, we'll see if he will continue doing it, and if he'll continue being effective. If he does, sure. If he keeps stuff stuff on his finger, and be, I guarantee you, he'll probably you know start right up back to being elite. But I just I don't know. It's a it's a high ADP for a guy that you know came at a discount in 2020, and I just don't know if it'll be worth it, as you said. You know, I just can't do it. It's uh, I don't know. I just he's good. Like he's just like Darvish is. He's amazing. Yeah. Um, but when I'm drafting this early, I just don't feel comfortable taking taking the leap on him. It's just something in my gut that says it's too high. Uh, Pete Alonzo, this one may, is my next fade. It, this may be a bit controversial because of how much power he does have and how valuable that could be f- to have a guy that hits 50 home runs. But just like... Every other power hitter, he struggles with strikeouts. And he struggles bad. So I'd much rather go for a pitcher in the spot that he is going because I'm passing on those early pitchers like Bauer and like Darvish and grabbing bats there. So what you need to do in that situation is get those those pitchers in, in the third, fourth rounds. And that's where Alonzo's going. So I just haven't been able to squeeze him in. Um I feel like it's a reach where he is going because there's so many power bats available. Like some of my sleeper, uh, one of my sleeper picks you can get way later. And I'm guessing he's going to provide just about the amount of power that, that Pete Alonso is going to. Um, there's pitchers like Blake Snell, Tyler Glass now, Zach Gallen. Uh, you can get all those guys at the same spot. And I'd much rather take, take the chance on them than on than Pete Alonso's power because when he's a one category guy, like you were saying earlier, bro, I don't, just don't like paying for that. Yeah, I mean, it'd, it'd be a lot different if uh, Alonso was hitting like 280, 270, meaning that he could actually hit a breaking pitch, but he struggles yeah. versus, versus breaking pitches. He's, he's swinging at them out, out of the zone. His pri- his old swing on break pitches is probably in the 40s, if I had to guess, but he's just, he's just not making contact and he's making bad plate decisions most importantly and you know that just that's just you know basic young growth of the hitter I, he'll get better but do you want to bet on that at the adp is the question i'm worried that he may end up in a platoon with dominic smith that's very pop- i mean with they probably do want to get jd and dominic smith in that lineup somehow some way so i mean if lazo keeps struggling and they're competing i mean hey they'll do what they have to do 
Yeah, I mean, you look at his Statcast page, sure, it's all red in the power. Then when I'm looking at the strikeout and the walks, it's blue. I don't want that. I'm looking for red across the board, and this is an early pick, man. Uh, the, he's going in the early 50s. That's third, fourth round, bro. That's way too early. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't like paying for power that early when it's such an easy thing to find later on in the draft. And I also find uh, him a little scary. <laughs> I don't know. Just my, I, I always trust my gut on these things. And my gut's telling me to go with cheaper power in this situation and an arm at that spot and let somebody else go with Alonzo there. Mm-hmm. And I will say in this, at least, at least in um in 12-team leagues, the picks like 50 to 80, 85 are rich with just talented guys that either had like a down 2020 sample size and now they're at a, at a discount like Cattell Marte or Keston and guys like that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just filled with so many value picks. You know, as you said, Glasnow, Gallon, Snow. I feel like these guys just have a lot more, could have a lot bigger impact for your team than, you know, Alonzo, than Alonzo could if he doesn't do as well. So it's just, I agree with you 100%. I'm probably not going to have a lot of Alonzo this year. No, it's it's tough, bro. Sorry, I was saying third, fourth round because I was doing it on a 16-team league. But if he was available in a 12-team league around the fifth or the sixth round, that's a lot different because you've already built a team around him. So you can plug him in on that situation 100%. But if you're looking at him in the third or fourth round, that's just way too early. Honestly, for me, even, even in the fifth or sixth round, I just, I don't know. I just don't want to bet on that, a guy like that, you know? For me, I I don't know. He's, his approach is not good. He, and I don't want to see him, you know, week after week still struggle to do that while I'm trying to win a, you know, win a league. I don't know. It's just one of those guys that in Dynasty, sure. I mean, you're definitely holding him. You're probably buying him at this point. But yeah. for 2021, I, I just I don't trust him. You know. Yep, that's what it comes down to. Me neither. And mm-hmm. it, maybe it's recency bias because fi- like go but rewind the tape two years ago in the home run derby like. He was on top of the world. Um, who knows? Maybe you can get him for cheap, and then we don't even have to worry about any of this conversation. But it's not happening, so that's why he's on in the conversation. Um, but enough about Alonzo. Let's move on to some sleepers, bro. Who do you got as your first sleeper? Yeah, so I got Altuve. And this is simply because we saw Altuve have a slow start to uh, 2019. Mm-hmm. Then he finished season strong, and that's I mean, maybe he's just that type of player now, you know. So, I mean, he's still a talented guy. We saw him go off in the playoffs, he hit a bunch of home runs, he had a very high average. So, I mean, him going off in the playoffs was him coming out of a bad stretch in a normal season. So, I don't have any problem taking him in the you know, after pick 100. I think that's going to be if you're you know, if second base is so thin this year. If you grab Altuve and that at that ADP, you're good. You're gonna have a, that's a great value, and he might even struggle to start the season. But hold on to him. He'll get going. He'll probably finish finish you know the season with a 25, 30 home runs, two seventy average, and some other counting stats. The thing about the Houston lineup is they're always going to be producing runs, and he's going to be in the middle of it. So you can always count on the runs. You can always count on the RBIs. Uh, he's playing at a position that is very shallow this year at second base. Uh, the average is always going to be there. I think this year you have to write it off. 
you just have to after everything that went down with that team. There's no way he was going to come out and have a good season. There's just no way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could you could probably see on his face. You just see him when he when he was bad and he just wasn't there. He wasn't focused. COVID, you know, the cheating scandal, like you said, everything going on mentally, he probably wasn't there. It just didn't help him. And the talent, talent just doesn't dissipate. It doesn't just go away out of nowhere. So he's still a talented player, and who, you know, at that ADP, he who, you know, will definitely provide for your team. He was going 40, 60 picks later. I mean, earlier in like twenty twenty, not to you know twenty nineteen. So I mean, him going 60, 40 picks back now after yeah. pick hundred, that just feels like okay, yeah, at second base at a thin position, give me that all day. Yeah, he can't miss. There's not even any risk at the point he's going. It's all reward, in my opinion. Same with your next guy, actually, on your list. Uh, I drafted him last year in one of my dynasty leagues because of his potential at a catcher position of power and speed. And that's just something that you're not really going to find too many places elsewhere. And when you do find it, they're going to be drafted very high because it's it's such a rare thing. Um, JT Romuto is always drafted high because of how good he can hit and how productive he is um, at a position that doesn't have much productivity. And Varshal is a guy I think is going to become a household name really soon. Um, he's on Arizona. They need any sort of talent, man. They had a bad year last year, so there's no way Varshal won't be playing a lot this year. But um, I really like this pick, Micah. What can you tell us about Varsho? Yeah, I mean, as you said, he he can do. He has you know a lot of tools. He can steal. He can hit for power. Um, the batting average was you know wasn't as good in the twenty twenty sample size, but that could you know that could just be because of a small sample size. Towards towards the end of it, you know, last few games he started hitting for hitting for a better average. So this is a guy that you know at a thin you know catcher position. In the later rounds, this is a guy that could change your whole team around, especially in a roto league. When you have a remember, I mean, last year when we had a what's what's his name Isaiah, uh, I don't know to say that's his last name. Kenner yeah, Ken, Kenner Falefo. Yeah, he, there you go. <laughs> it, was, it was yeah, it was like a cheat code having a catcher um, get steals for you. So I mean, in roto leagues especially, this is this could be one of those you know picks that you look back and like yeah okay that was that was one of my best picks of the season. So yeah, I mean, I love I love Varsho, I love his value, I love his talent, and I think the D-backs will give him, you know, ample opportunity to showcase these talents in 2021. Yeah, I mean, Carson Kelly's not going to hold him off. He didn't do anything last year. They paid Carson Kelly money, but that doesn't matter. They need, I don't know, they gave him enough opportunity, and I feel like Dalton Varsho, he has nothing left to prove, and you can get him for almost free. Um, in In... Competitive industry leagues, that's not the case. But in in redraft leagues, you're going to get him for absolutely nothing. And that's a name you need to add to your queue as soon as the draft starts. Just go find Dalton Varsho. Throw him on your queue, man, because you're not going to want to miss out on this guy. And honestly, you know, if Kelly does, you know, for for whatever reason, beat him out, they could throw him in the outfield. I don't know how they'll fit him in there, but they could find a way to get him in there. They most likely will, actually. Yeah. Just because just he's so valuable, the power of speed that we're talking about, any team would want that in real yeah. life or on fantasy. So I'm all over Dalton Varsho. It's a great pick. I do wish his catcher defense was better so he could, you know, 
obviously like steal the position at catcher and that's yeah. be a cheat code for the rest of his career but he you know he doesn't have the best catcher defense so i mean I've, over time i feel like he might just become just an outfielder but still you know this is still a talented player going that's why you lead. gotta take advantage this year bro mm, exactly this is the year. <laughs> to jump jump on Varsho before before people realize okay Varsho is a top ten top five maybe yeah. catcher we'll see man that's oh I would love that mm-hmm. <laughs> all right so next on the list bro we got Mr Franchi Cordero what can you tell us about Franchi yeah I mean same same type of tools as um Mr Varsho just he maybe I, more power though he can hit from more power but he can steal and in the same type of situation with the batting average, it was kind of lowly. And it's always been kind of lowly because, you know, he strikes out a ton. He doesn't have the the best uh, plate discipline, and that needs to improve a lot. But if it does, and even if it doesn't, this could be a guy that hits 250 going 2020. That's still plenty valuable, you know? Yeah. So Especially if he's got that power and speed combo going with it. Yeah, so, I mean, I love Varsho as one of those late-round flyer guys. The, the thing about Cordero uh, compared to a guy like Moustakis is the speed. Because he's...